Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Cognitori, and we have the pleasure of having Big Ten star, Miss Minnesota basketball, and Minnesota legend, Courtney Boylan-Douglas with us today. How's it going, Courtney? What is up? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm very good. Very good. I don't, I w- I don't know if I consider myself a Minnesota legend, but thanks, thanks for throwing that in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let, let's start off talking about, you know, some of these accolades. Miss Minnesota basketball, Big Ten Conference Player of the Week, Big Ten Conference Honorable Mention, Paradise Jam MVP. You know, you you won all these crazy academic awards, coaches awards, take charge award, Michigan women's basketball, 212 award, which I'm not even sure what that is. 212 degrees. Me okay. <laughs> but you won it anyways. UM Athletic Academic Achievement Award, Academic All Big Ten. Um, you know, throughout even high school, you were unreal all-state honoree uh, or what, what was it all the, the the academic side of it all top five mm. player of the year minnesota selection all-state honorable mention um third team all metro um honor roll student academic all-state where does the academics come first before the sports so i, I want to know is that something your family instilled in you from the beginning that's a great question. Um, and to be honest, that's so funny. Like, I haven't even thought about the academic accolades before. Um, I think, yeah, from an early age, school was always just really important to me. It was important to me to to take it seriously, to get good grades. I don't know if it's the perfectionist in me. That's what I would assume it probably is. Um but yeah, it, it actually was always, always something that I wanted to be good at. So I think, I think it definitely was instilled at me, instilled with me at a young age. So, in 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 college, and I'm going to get into the major part of it before we get into the sports. Was it? It was kinesiology, right? Or, or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like the school of kinesiology. So I yeah. don't even think Michigan has it anymore. But really, my actual um degree is in sport management okay yeah so it was just within the school of kinesiology you know there's a lot of stuff wrapped in there movement science sport business but yeah it's basically a sport business degree Uh, that's got to be a i mean there's so many things that go into that that's got to be a tough thing to even understand or remember and all that it's got to be a lot of memory stuff for oh yeah i mean for sure and uh, what i wish i probably michigan is such a good business school like looking back i wish i kind of would have applied into the business school but i learned so many amazing things about the professional sports industry even the you know the ncaa and how and how that operates um so yeah it was it was really really interesting and i'm i'm happy that that was my major and you know, let, let's rewind then, and let's talk about some of this high school stuff. I mean, six-year varsity letter winner. You've been playing varsity since you were in sixth grade. How crazy <laughs> is that? It's uh-huh. crazy. And you know what's really funny about it is I I have a thirteen-year-old brother, and he just finished seventh grade. And I'm thinking in my head like, dang, I was playing like JV in seventh grade, and then I look at my brother and. Like, no offense to him, but I'm just like, I can't imagine my little brother playing JV, like anything. So it's, it's so funny looking back and, and thinking about that. And I have no idea why I was even given a shot to do it, but it's, it's pretty cool. 
But you didn't, I mean, you played well. Was it was it crazy playing up all the time? And then when did it start to switch where you're like, it, everything slowed down for you and became easier as you aged and matured? Yeah, so I think one thing that I, I always like to be challenged. And so a lot of, I, I was blessed to play for a lot of really good coaches, but a lot of them challenged me. And I'm really thankful for that. And they always urge me to play up. So play play up a grade, play up two grades. Um, I mean, I didn't start playing organized basketball till I played in-house in fourth grade. And then I played, you know, um, regular travel ball in fifth grade. Um, so I was always just playing sports, always. Like always trying to challenge on the playground, play against boys. Um, I was such a little tomboy, I still am. And um, so I think that once I was able to play up in the high school, uh, you know, play JV and then play varsity in eighth grade, I think all those years doing it when I was younger really prepared me for that. I believe it. And you, I mean, I've had a girl in the past come on here. Her name was Katie Young who played at Marquette. Um, she, she stressed that she thinks girls should be playing against boys as much as possible growing up. Is that something you believe as well? Absolutely. Shoot. I wish I had like an older brother would beat, beat up on me a little bit, but <laughs> I, I, I really do. I think it's so important. Um, and I also think it's really good to train with boys and, and just even, you know, even at my age or, you know, at the high school level, like mix in, get in, play with boys, play. It, it doesn't even have to play, but it doesn't even have to be basketball. It can be any sport, but I think also the boys benefit a little bit from it. Um, so I think it's great. That's great for both. And you ended up closing your career as the all-time leading scorer at Chaska. Become Miss Minnesota basketball. Um, when, you, when you think about those, and you still hold the career record for three-pointers, when you think about what you've accomplished, does it blow your mind? Just letting it sink in? Well, to be fair, I did play a lot of years. So I guess <laughs> getting the most points, I had a lot more years to maybe get those points, which by the way, I think is going to very soon be broken by Mallory Heyer, who is an extremely good player out in Chaska right now. And she's got quite a few years to, to do that. But um, yeah, I think I just had a lot of years to do it. It's fun. It's fun thinking back. Rarely do I do it. More so, I think about, to me, the biggest thing was going to the state tournament for the first time in 10 years. That I, I had just been dying to do that. Um, and so for me, that was like the most important thing um, that I could have done in high school. What was that experience, bringing that to the school? It was, it was so cool. I don't, I, don't, I it, it just, I, there's some of these really amazing pictures of playing at the Target Center and having like the whole student body there. Um, so it, it was, it was really special. And then they went the following year. So got third place, they did even better. So it, it was really cool to just kind of bring Chaska back to that place, um, of being in the state tournament and being, um, uh, not like a basketball powerhouse in the state, but you know, one of the top contenders. So that, that was really cool. That's, that's awesome. And you also played golf, softball and track. How'd you do all four sports in one season? Oh, uh, well, that was that they were like all over the place. I kind of had to stop when AAU hit. I still play golf for fun. Yeah, softball was more back in the day. Um, and but 
track. Yeah, I think I gave up track like ninth grade. I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fun for a little while, but um, yeah, like th- my heart was always with basketball. So like any any chance that I had, I, I kind of wanted to be be working on that besides golf. Can you so. tell me about the AAU experience? I know you told me you used to play with Taylor Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the day, like uh, in six, my sixth grade season, I played um, for NC Heat, which is like, um, gosh, I don't know. We were a travel team, um, but it, I, it was so much fun. We had so much great talent on that team, and I learned a ton playing on it. Um, and uh, AAU, I switched a bunch of different times playing for different clubs. The AAU scene is just so different now than when I played. You know, I think we had a couple big tournaments, like one in Chicago, a couple in Atlanta we would go to, and now it's just like, man, those kids are gone the entire month. Like, it's 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 a totally different ball game, the AAU scene. But I think that's where I really, again, I played up and that really challenged me playing against a lot of older, really good players from different schools in the area. And it's, it's, it's where I met a lot of my really good friends as well in, in the AAU scene. Did, did you feel like your recruiting came a lot from high school or from AAU? AAU for sure. Um, I know, I know for a fact that Michigan only started recruiting me literally at the last possible tournament that I played in. Um, I played my team was actually on this like crazy win streak. We hadn't lost for the entire month. I think we won. I don't even know how many straight games. And we ended up playing this super high level team out of New York, super athletic. Of course we were, you know, very undersized. um, And we didn't have a ton of high level recruits and our teams were matched up against each other in a championship game. And the, court was packed with college coaches and game went to overtime we ended up winning and I think that um opened some college coaches eyes one of them being Michigan so who else was recruiting you during all this oh a lot of mid I got some great looks from an early age from a lot of mid-major level schools um and then that's when it kind of blew it open to more of the big 10 schools So, but yeah, a lot of mid-major Midwest, Midwest schools. And I think always the biggest thing was my size and my athleticism. You know, I'm, I'm five, six, I'm not athletic. I'm not fast. I can't jump (laughs) at all, you know? So I think, you know, and then I, I coached in college so I can see it too. I think a lot of coaches kind of overlooked me because of that reason. So So was, was Minnesota coming after you though? a great question uh they (laughs) i have a funny story about minnesota um i think i always wanted to leave the state but had would i have liked to have been recruited recruited by minnesota of course and they did um take looks at me and i remember that that was the size issue it was always she's too small we want a big point guard um and pam borton i think always really wanted that and so they came to this game and I'm not sure if they were there to, to watch me or who they were there to watch. Um, I can't remember who we were playing. And I just had, I was like, I'm going to prove to them that they need to re- recruit me. I had like over 40 points. Like we won the game. I was dead. Like I, I was literally gave it everything that I had. And still after the game, they were just like, just, she's too small. 
she's too she's too small we can't we, yeah and so i was like okay i've done everything i can it's time it's time to kind of um leave that to rest so see and that stuff blows my mind too to you never know what, what it's all about you know the the bite and the fight that a dog's got in them you know what i mean so i totally agree there's this girl i played at au with her name's jamie jones and i swear do you know who that is no who's no? that no okay she ended up playing at concordia Okay. Um, I, I believe she played for Irondale High School. She's a couple years older than me. Um, this girl, she's she's small, but she, and she's feisty. And had she been like when I was a college coach, but I would have recruited that girl in a heartbeat. But I think there is just this this undersized, you know, factor that some coaches overlook, and they like how players look versus, you know, maybe some of the competitive aspects or that inner fire or you know, some of those things that like, it's hard to, you know, put a number on or pinpoint. So well, I, th I think too, though, for Minnesota morale, you mm. have to focus, <laughs> like you got it. I think Minnesota, the, the whole school has really let us down, you know, fans down. We should be getting our Miss Minnesotas, our, our Mr. I agree. Minnesota, you know what I mean? They have to go after them. It, 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 the fans want it. I agree. I agree. They definitely, and that, you know, that has been something that's been tough as of late, you know, keeping kids in the state. They so can't do it. I know, I, I, I know. And, and it should, it's the only division one program right now in the state. Yeah. So, you know, and you, William, like who doesn't love playing at, at Williams arena? It's such a cool atmosphere. And I don't know, maybe there is this thing like when I was recruited where I was like, I, I want to get out of Minnesota. Maybe kids, maybe kids feel that. I don't, I don't know, but I sure do know that there's a lot of kids who'd like to stay home too. I, I, I've, I've heard kind of a reoccurring theme that it's, it's more, I don't want to be the guinea pig with my career at Minnesota. Mm -hmm. and, and Interesting. They just want to give themselves the best possible situation to further their career beyond college. So that that's kind of what I've heard. Um, but for me as a fan, it's definitely a bummer because you want to see yeah. state talent stay here on the football field too. Let's let's get all our offensive linemen to stay here. That'd be really nice. There you go. Stay away from <laughs> exactly. Wisconsin. But um, exactly. sorry, I digress. But um, yeah. you know, it, it's it's weird. So you, you're going into college, you're you're constantly being told you're undersized. Mm -hmm. What was the, the the college experience like when you first go into to, to a practice and you know like oh I can hold my own like the size thing isn't what they're saying to me. Well, to be fair, I could not hold my own in the beginning. <laughs> like just flat out, flat out honest. I showed up, I was like, wow. And it was my coach's first year. So Kevin Borseth, he had come from Green Bay and had an amazing you know coaching career at Green Bay just teams just constantly getting into the NCAA tournament, overachieving, hardworking. And so that was what he was trying to build at Michigan. And Michigan had just been at the bottom of the Big Ten for years, right? Yeah. And so that was the whole thing. That was the reason I wanted to go to Michigan, help rebuild this program. Like, let's change the culture. Let's, you know, start to become one of the best teams in the Big Ten. And, man, I get there. And... I for sure was undersized. I for sure was not athletic enough. Um, and we had, some, I mean, we had some really good recruits out of Michigan and the Detroit area. Um, and I just, I was like, I just got to stick this out. I got, I, I'm going to find a way. I got to get stronger. I got to get faster. And hopefully I'll, I'll figure this out. Um, 
And over time, thankfully, it did work out. But for a while, it was extremely hard for me. Well, you've you been so. getting minutes, though. You're getting ticked. You started off getting around 16 minutes a game. I know. So you're thrusting know. into the fire. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, looking back, I'm still not sure why I got that from Coach Borsa. Um, uh, I think that he saw the fight that I had. Um, and like you said, being undersized, there's no other way that you can play. You got to have some grit. And I had to just figure out the rest of it. And thankfully, he played. We played a mo all motion offense, which was really fun. Read, react. Um, it's still my favorite way to play now. Um, and so I think that that benefited me as well because he it was so cool he didn't pigeonhole us he just said whatever you're good at i want to put you in the best possible spot and that's going to make our that's what's going to make our team better so we had a lot of people who could shoot and um so it was it was it was fun to play in really fun style to play in and i mean after i mean november 15th you have a game high 18 points as a freshman Oh yeah. I mean, that's, do you have that moment where you're like, well, maybe this isn't as tough as I thought it was going to be. Yes. And no, I mean, it's still looking back. I'm like, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know how it happened. Sometimes still <laughs> looking back. It's, it's weird. No, you kind of black out a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I think the main thing for me, and I don't even remember certain games. A lot of times I always just wanted to win. Mm -hmm. Just always had this desire and, and, and want to want to win obviously sure the personal side of it i want to help my team so i need to perform but i remember more of the the big wins than i do the personal stuff well then the following year your sophomore year was it weird seeing your role slightly get taken away from you in a sense i mean you go down to 11 minutes a game then yeah. i mean you're going from six years of playing high school ball being the stud to then all of a sudden I don't want to say taking a back seat because you're playing, but you're not playing as much as you're accustomed to. It was so hard because like basketball, it was, it's, it, it still is, but it, for sure at that point, everything was everything to me. Mm -hmm. And it was that thing. It was always that constant in my life. Um, and so for that, like to have been shaken, like you said, was super hard. And um Basically, I think what happened was we were my coach's first recruiting class. Their next recruiting class was bomb, really great recruits. Um, and they brought like so much life and energy to our team. And we had a freshman point guard out of Cincinnati who was just phenomenal. And so I, looking back, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, why am I not now looking back? I can be like, she was just a great player, you know, like a really good player. She deserved to play. And then she ended up transferring, which kind of gave me my shot the following year. So. Well, and in that moment, you know, at the time, and, and this is me, it, when I'm in situations like that, I'm always give that kind of like that F you like that moment where like, you need to be playing me more kind of deal. That's just kind of that fight. I think most yep. people have And yep. in December, December 10th, you had a perfect game. You went five for five from the field. Were you going to your coach after that? Say, Hey man, we, we had a lot of talks, you know, I try, I, cause I always kept asking him, you know, why, why am I not playing? I think looking back now, my, it, it was my defense. I needed to improve defensively. I needed to get quicker. Um, and so that I was, there were still moments. Cause I didn't understand, like you said, I, and 
like I said, looking back now, I can't, she was just a great player. She should have been playing, but it for sure fueled me. It absolutely fueled me. There's no question about that. Well, then coming into your junior year, you, like you said, that opened up the opportunity for you to, you know, play. You you actually got 17 starts. I know there was also an injury in there that that helped yep. open doors for you to really play a lot of minutes. You got 23 minutes per game, um, and and you took advantage of it. You know, you matched yeah. your 18, your high of 18. You played a career best 40 minutes against Purdue. Can you talk to me about that season? I mean, because then on, you kind of took off. Yeah. So to start the year, right, he, um, you know, like you said, there was another player. She's still playing professionally overseas, actually, Nia Jordan. Great, another great, great recruit. She's out of Michigan as well. And she gets, she goes down with an injury and horrible ACL injury and I've since then I've had two of those um so I I know the feeling but and it's horrible but that's when you know you you do you have to find a way to step up for your team and our coaches you know the slogan was always work while you wait you know if you're not playing work while work while you wait and that's always what I tried to do I was always trying to to keep working to stay ready if that however that opportunity presented itself and it, and I guess it did. Um, yeah. So it did, and you were ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then yeah. you're seeing you, you take over. You know. You, you, <laughs> I, well, I don't know if I took over. <laughs> you, you that, you MVP started all 32 games. Voted Paradise Jam MVP. What was that that travel like with your teammates? I bet you'll never forget that experience. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Such a fun way to start the year. Like we never did a trip to Europe, so this was kind of like our fun like our trip that we could do as a team and we had a blast. We did like some fun activities and then of course winning it all was, you know, just cherry on top. So it was that that's definitely goes down as one of my favorite, one of the top favorite college moments. That's gotta be. That's gotta be. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was some fun. Is there some stories behind the scenes that fans wouldn't know? about you and the girls like cool experiences that people just don't get to see like i said there's only a small like there's 300 and some d1 colleges only so many people get to be on these teams nobody knows what these experiences are like can you let yeah. some people in the door so they understand what you guys are actually doing oh man it's <laughs> well first of all you're just trying to keep your life together because you got like a million things going on in college you're trying to make it to all your classes and then obviously all of your practices and extra things that you have that goes into it. And then you're trying to have some fun on top of it as a team, right? Like mm -hmm. you got to get out and have some fun. But I think the crazy thing, and this is one people, even I talked to other college, college athletes and people who even played in the big 10. One thing that my team did that was so different because we had coaches with young kids, we would fly day of to the game. So we would wake up super early, have shoot around, have our pregame meal at, at Michigan. And then we'd fly out day of, get to the hotel, rest in the hotel for two hours, hop on a bus, go to the gym. So a lot of the newbies, you know, they've never even seen these gyms, right? Like you have young players on the team. And so they're just like, whoa, we get there, we play the game. We roll right back on a, on a plane, get back to Michigan late at night. Um, it's so it's crazy, right? Like it, and, and when you think about that, like even now at the pro level, pros don't travel like that. It's nuts to get on a private plane, 
like that the Detroit Pistons fly out on, you sure. know, so looking and of course everybody on our team probably took it for we you know like a little bit you take it for granted right and looking back now um what a cool experience to be able to do that yeah no kidding you, you, too bad I, instagram wasn't popping back then could have been really seriously. flexing <laughs> <laughs> seriously <laughs> well, then, then, then tell us a story because here it gets a little bit you know crazy for you 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 got a very fun story after that. Your husband, Stu, he played at Michigan as well, right? Yep. Yep. So tell us all of that. Yeah, so I graduate college, and I I had some cra crazy idea that I thought I was going to play basketball overseas, and I went to the Combine uh, in Denver. That's where the Final Four was that year, and I'm like, oof, no, I'm not good enough. I'm definitely not good enough. <laughs> and... um just so happened my associate head coach at Michigan, her name's Don Plitzelwhite, who I'd like to sidebar is now the coach at South Dakota, killing it like phenomenal. So anyway, she just got hired at Northern Kentucky okay. and I get a call out of the blue. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I'm back in Minnesota. And, um, I think Stu was, yeah, Stu was training in Indiana cause he ended up playing in Spain that year. So he kept playing. Um, and I get a call from Don and she's like, what's going on? W would you want to come coach? And I'm like, like be a college coach, like just, you know, basically barely be over the age of your seniors. There was a girl on the team who was actually older than me because <laughs> she was a red shirt. So, you know, I'm coaching kids that are older than me and I'm like, she's like, just come, come check it out. Come see if this is something you'd want to do just like she did when she was trying to recruit me when she was at Michigan, she did the same thing again, recruited my ass on over to <laughs> Northern Kentucky. <laughs> so went there. I thought it would be a great learning experience, um, which it was phenomenal. Don's like a great person to, to learn under and to learn from. And um, I met some amazing friends, had great experiences there, but honestly, like that's a grind college coaching is an absolute grind. Like your life is, is basketball recruiting and don't get me wrong. Like there was a part of me that really enjoyed that, but I also wanted my own life. I wanted to figure out how I could do this as an adult, as a future mother, all of those things. Um, and also I miss Stuart. Like I did it two years. Um, and so also to kind of backtrack, he played one year in Spain, my husband Stuart did. Then he got his citizenship and his second year played in Israel. So my second year coaching, he was in Israel. And at that point, we both were like, screw this long distance. We can't do this anymore. This is horrible. Yeah. And I decided, you know, that it was best for me to leave NKU and to move to Israel with no job. I didn't even go out there with a working cell phone. I thought, I don't know what I was thinking. And I, I just totally just, you know, took a chance basically. And I am, I can't even tell you how happy I am that I did because what happened when I got out there is I learned that there's an entire women's basketball world and it's a, it's a really great league, ton of great players play there. And I started going to random practices so I was like, I have, shoot, I don't, I don't have anything going on. Stuart's at practice. He has his own thing and I need to find my own thing here. 
and um what's crazy is I got this agent who hooked me up and said like yeah you could play here as an Israeli and I'm like okay yeah so I definitely can't play as a foreigner but I could play as a citizenship player which you'll find out is very important that Stuart is a citizen there so through marriage I could also eventually get that citizenship um and so after five grueling years of you know trying to work the system there and it's a process like Israel I mean it's it's just like trying to get a green card in America it's that same long grueling process and eventually I got it and so this past year at 30 years 30 years old was my first official year playing professional basketball overseas um You're local yeah and i'm a local um and it, it's it's hard sometimes i think for people to to get that we're only allowed three foreign players on our on each team in israel every league's a little bit different um so and those three players like they're all WNBA players they're all extremely good players so it, the only way for me to play was to somehow find a way to get that citizenship so but if you get Got that, it. you're locked in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get you get that. You can be a 30 year old rookie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so tell uh, us about your rookie season then. Man, it was well, and I guess I'll have to backtrack even more. Throughout those years practicing, I had a couple of knee injuries. I had two knee surgeries. And um this Same last knee or different knee. Different knee. Yep. First one was my right knee. My and the the second one while I was practicing with my team, bef right before I officially got my citizenship, I blew completely blew my knee out, ACL, both my meniscus, MCL, in a practice, and obviously I was heartbroken. I thought it was kind of the end of the road. Every doctor told me like, "I'm sorry, at your age, like there's just probably no way." And I was like. Pfft. Yeah, right. I, I got to do this. You have no idea. I'm so close to getting there and to playing. Um, yeah. So when I stepped on that court for the first time this past season, like I can't even tell you there were there were so many emotions, so many feelings, a, a lot of relief, a lot of, you know, I thought back to all the the hard work on and off the court that went into that and all the people that helped me. Um, and it's just it was it was crazy the season i had an okay season i didn't have like a super super stellar season and our team um finished fifth in the league um before the the season ended um but mostly my only goal this first year was to come out of it healthy and i did that so congratulations thank you yeah so next year i'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll shoot for some legitimate goals so, <laughs> <laughs> so are, you, are you playing with some sleeves on each knee then or how are you doing that i i also was kind of adamant that i didn't want to play with any braces so oh, i don't play with anything crap. and how do you get yeah. the mental part of that it took some time it, it i think that, like that's the hardest part right is just trusting trusting your body and um putting the work in and knowing that somehow trusting that it will be okay and i think the biggest thing too is listening to your body like for so long i just didn't i just pushed through pushed through pushed through and i'm sure that's why i probably had the injuries that i did so now it's listening 
taking a step back when I need to. That's always been my biggest issue. How do you know? What what are, what are you hearing from your body? What's what's telling you? Like I'm hey, hearing I'm up. old. I'm hearing I'm very old. <laughs> no, I I think you know, I just would push it too hard for too many days in a row. And so now it's like, okay, you need to do a recovery workout. You need to be in the pool instead of running hills. You need to stretch before and after workouts. Like simple stuff that older players always tell you to do that you never listen to. Mm-hmm. Um growing up like it's that stuff it's that simple stuff um that that i think helps and hopefully i can play for a few more years so hopefully i still got it in for you. i know appreciate you it. it you'll do it so thank you and and being out there with your husband's got to make things just so much easier it it does it does and you know that's the hardest thing i think for players who go overseas is that 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 loneliness factor the you know not being around friends family missing out on weddings and birthdays and um, monumental moments and in you know people's lives that is really hard so to have him out there like have that support system and i think too being in the same country israel's like Israel's like one of the best places I think you can play super Americanized weather's amazing and you're really close to each other and so now there's this great community that I've built there so it's kind of like going you know it's like I don't want to say it's like going home I, I don't think it's home there but there are some aspects to it that are very homey so that's that really helps so what what's kind of the goals in retirement down the road five to eight years down the road here. What, what, are, you, yeah. what, are, what are you and Stuart going to do? You guys coming back here? You're going to stay in Israel now that your citizens there? Well, that's, I mean, that's always the big question, isn't it? I think yeah. like every athlete goes through this question of what's next. Like at some point, right, your career is going to end. It can't, it can't last forever. And I think I'm still figuring that out. Something that I've loved doing since I moved to Israel is every summer I come back and I do basketball training started really small would do camps would do a few workouts with players and it's really grown and so that that's one thing I'm doing now I now work um, with Reed Reed OC and Cattle's training so that's that's a huge step I think for me and I'd love to be in the Minnesota area we'll see we'll see how that looks you know in the future obviously it's hard to predict and I just know that this is pretty funny. There's a few players who are moms, few women, like they they've had one, two kids. They keep playing after. I don't know if, I don't know how my body would respond to that. We would have to see down the road, but we'll see, you know, what the timeline for that looks like. But I just know that I love, I love working with players and I love like basketball as a tool, using basketball as a tool to build those relationships um that are so important so and i definitely think basketball breaks down barriers and brings people together i think there's so many cool things you can learn from that sport absolutely absolutely like sport in general does that and i really think i really think basketball does as well i've met so many people from so many different backgrounds through this sport and those are the things i remember like not all those accolades and and stuff at the beginning you were talking about it's like oh you know, all the friendships 
all the friendships I've made and connections I've made and things that I've learned through all of those people, that's, that's what I really remember. There's, there's one last question I want to ask. Um, how crazy is it? And, and this is for me. It, it might be flip-flopped in your relationship or not, or it might be, I don't know. My wife is kind of the rock of the family. You know, she, she holds, she's the glue. She keeps everything together. It's gotta be a big weight off of Stuart's shoulders having you there you know, tell him like, Oh, you had a tough day or, or that kind of thing for, for that. And, and some athletes, you know, they're single and stuff like that. So in, in your case, you're a super rarity, you know, unless you're, totally. yeah, we're both of you totally. are playing. How hard is it balancing relationship and, and professional sports? Yeah, that's such a, it's such a great point and such a good question because like at different points, we've had to be each other's rock, like at, at different moments. And you know, Stewart's journey in basketball is is different than mine, but he's had those struggles, those moments where he questioned things, um, just like I did. And he's had a lot of them, and we've been there for each other during all of those extremely, you know, hard moments and the amazing ones, like this year being able to you know, to do that with him and like have him there, like that first moment that I stepped on the court, like you can't, you'll never forget. I'll never forget that, you know, seeing him up in the stands when I, you know, when I started that game. So it's, I think that that's something that I'll always look back on in my life. Like these moments playing in Israel as some of the best that I've had. And it's because we were there together and experienced all of these things, experienced all these things together. So it's, you know, it's, it's indescribable to be able to have that for sure. A, a true love and basketball story. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, Courtney, we really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us your story, your journey. It was awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you're welcome to come Thank back. Thank you back please come back appreciate it thank you so much